Hello, I'm Jo Parrott. I'm the founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. I hope you are enjoying our podcast. This week we're talking all about working dogs and families. I'm happy to be joined tonight by... Hi, my name's Gemma Martin. I'm one half of Whistle and Wag Dog Training based in Suffolk. Hi, I'm Claire Denya from Family Dog Services based in Maidstone in Kent. Hi, I'm Sam Thornycroft-Taylor of Gun Dogs in Gloucestershire. Hi, I'm Emma. I run Cunning Shot Dog Training based in Leicestershire in the East Midlands. So, leading on from last week's podcast on cues and commands, this week we are going to be talking about combining working dogs and families. Now, obviously, when you have a family or partners or even mum and dads or people walking your dogs, you have other people involved in the training this can cause issues as we know. So let's start talking about this then ladies. Where do you think like obviously when it's one person training a dog it can be difficult enough. What happens when we start involving uh, a family like a partner? Where do the difficulties start with that? I think when you involve a let's just say just a partner to start with um, whenever multiple people come and train with me what I tend to find is that people will try and dual handle at the same time. So the dog won't sit and then suddenly somebody just over their shoulder will go sit and, and then the dog might sit. And then what you've got is you've got an issue with the, the person who is actually handling that dog at that time has had a dog ignore them. Then the second person's jumped in, given the command again, and then rewarded that dog. You've almost rewarded that dog for ignoring the person who initially gave the command so whenever I teach um, two people handling the same dog I tell them to one completely step back so there's only one person handling at a time so it's very clear to the dog who's handling them and then make it very clear that you're swapping over as well so then the person that was handling completely steps back and the other person kind of steps in and you almost have to really kind of create that out on walks as well so you're not dual handling the dog at the same time because it just causes confusion even if you are using the same commands. Also you do get situations and I've seen this with clients quite regularly especially when a couple come along to train one dog and you might find that one of them starts criticising the other handler for their handling or saying, Claire, can you have a word with them, please? Because at home they do this. Um, I'm not a marriage counsellor. I'm not going to get involved in that kind of stuff. Um, And so they have to have really clear boundaries, you know, between themselves um, as to what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, and have constructive ways of perhaps communicating between each other so that they're not falling out over it or criticising one another over it. I think we see a lot of this in our dog index where it can definitely affect um, you as a handler's confidence, especially like if your partner's been handling dogs longer um, or they think that to do it a different way was better. That sort of bombardment can make you lose confidence in your own ability to control the dog, can't it? Yeah, and I think obviously to, to handle a dog correctly, you need that confidence, but you also need the confidence of like the rest of the family supporting you as well and you then supporting them in turn as well. So I always say to, to people that have either got families or partners, bring them with with you because everybody needs to learn because as we spoke in the last podcast about poisoning cues, if people are using different commands or not necessarily the same body language and things like that, using for the dog, 
But equally, there needs to be some kind of rules and boundaries that I am very clear to explain in those classes as well. Like it is one person in front of that dog at a time. Nobody else jumps in, whether that person's wrong or right at that point. That's down to me as the trainer to correct them, not the rest of the family and then swap over. Do you think as well, though, like obviously this is a conversation you sometimes see. Should a dog only ever have one handler? That is a really, really difficult question. Um so um yes yes i think yes um personally i think a working dog that has a job role to do um that you do want to take quite seriously into a high standard whether that's to get them onto shoots or competitions or anything they will work better for a single person because that person has obviously been the person that's gone through that journey with them and taught them those commands that doesn't mean to say that that dog should then be completely ignorant to everybody else in the house um so to me me and my husband have got a range of dogs and they are kind of mine and his um but I would expect to be able to get any of his dogs out of the kennel and them not barge me out of the way them walk at heel if I ask them to them retrieve if I needed them to them hunt if I needed them to and to just have their basic obedience commands as well, as well as their manners. So I should be able to, if something happened to Tom, I should be able to handle his dogs as, as normal, but I might not get the same outcome level on a shoot day, let's say, if I worked them. Um, I agree with what Em just said, and, and I think it also depends on the level and experience of the dog. So Indy, the eldest of our three dogs, she will work, for either John or I, very happily, but she's a very established dog. She is primarily my dog, without a doubt, but she understands everything well enough that she can work for John and will work for John. Um, when I worked Dude uh, two seasons ago, I picked up with Dude, which is John's dog. He had his first day shooting, and that <laughs> that showed me how this can be an issue because although dude will work for me and does work for me because john was out the front with a gun dude was very much like where am i taking the bird then my dad's down there with the gun you're up there um after he'd done a couple of retrieves he was absolutely fine but it was to be honest it was something we hadn't really prepared dude for rose is very young and immature and quite honestly she's just my dog at the minute she really doesn't listen to john in training in the house um she's obedient for him but when she gets out to train she hasn't really done anything with john so she's all like you know, I work for my mum. So I think it does depend also on the dog, their experience and what you've prepared them for. Yeah, and when I took on um, my late cocker from my husband, he started out as my husband's dog and he was so well bonded to my husband. He'd had him from eight weeks old to six months old that the cocker, if I took him out, he would come with me. He would do everything I'd asked of him. And we were going through the training and sort of bonding ourselves. But if I walked into the yard and my husband was there, that was it. The cocker would fly back over to his side and say, well, this is my dad. Um, and I'd say it easily took six months of me being the only person working with that cocker before he switched allegiance and became my dog. And from there on in, he was easily my dog of a lifetime. Um, but it took that time period for him to realise he was no longer my husband's dog. He was now my dog. So we're talking about like the problems you can have between sort of partners or husbands, etc. 
what happens when like there's other family members like if you go from uh, a couple to then introducing a baby there's a pregnancy what happens with working dogs there um well for someone that is pregnant um <laughs> right now um due in a week and a bit um i've been just very aware that the majority of my gun dogs in my kennels that need to work for me will have to do this shoot season more than likely with a baby attached to me um not only that, obviously, that baby's going to be around 24-7 to any dogs that are in, in the house. So I've been basically prepping them and retraining them um, different things. So it, to be really, really kind of um, quick about how I explain it, I've basically been playing baby noises. Um, the indoor dogs have had access to anything new that's come into the house and gone up. So they've been allowed to go into the nursery and sniff around and things like that. Um, they've been allowed to sniff the Moses basket downstairs um they've got used to baby noises being played around the house i've turned on all of like the instant prep machines and the sterilizers and stuff just in case they make weird beepy noises or buzzing or anything like that just so that my house dogs are used to the kind of common noises that are about to happen um remember that dogs learn predominantly through scent at sense of smell and um hearing so noises and smell is going to be the biggest thing so when i do go into the hospital Tom will then come home and introduce the baby's scent to the dogs as well when they when when he comes home, obviously before I come home. Um, with regards to the training, I have been, just in case I need to, I've been walking the dogs with a buggy so that they get used to walking next to a buggy. Um, I've also been wearing the baby carrier out um, with a teddy bear in it <laughs> so that they get used to um, coming into... Um, like recall positions with something like in front of me that might necessarily be blocking some of my body language. Um, and I've taught them to retrieve to a slightly different position, um, which has got easier as I've obviously got bigger because there's a bump in the way, but mine used to come right in and kind of present upwards um, sort of right against my legs which has not been a possible position and it definitely won't be with a baby on, in a carrier. So I've taught them to now retrieve to the side of me um, so that I can take that retrieve off them safely without kind of throwing a child at them um, and into their face. I think you also need to sort of, there's a balance when you add either a partner or a family member as, as children get older, they want to do stuff with the dog. They want to be involved. So you need to find the consistency and try and put, Sort of the children on the same path that you are but also find ways of making it fun for the the child the youngster involved so that you're not constantly still there going no don't do that no you can't do that no don't allow it to do that no don't play tug of war no don't throw that and let it run in you need to find a way that you know when my son was younger he had there were three of our dogs that were far enough along in their training that I knew if he just threw unsteady retrieve after unsteady retrieve for them, they were all, the three dogs and my son, having a whale of a time. They all felt involved. They all felt equal. And then as he got older again, we could progress it to, right, now take this one dog. Now what I need you to ask it to do is, is sit and, you know, try and wait and, or not let it go until you've sent it. So we're giving the child the responsibility, the feeling that, wow I've done this just like mummy or daddy are doing it but also within our boundaries so that it's not then detrimental to our working dogs training okay so that's like some brings in some really good points so you know Claire you work quite um, regularly with like families and, and couples etc and you've talked a little bit about that like who are like been stepping in when they shouldn't 
do you have cases where you are teaching the child the children as much as you're teaching the adults yeah I have quite a lot of um, people come and train with me and they will actually ask can the children be part of the training or they've essentially said that the dog is for the children and I really welcome that and uh, I know Emma's done this as well and I've done a couple now where I've done children's education days and you know little children's handling groups and things like that but I think it's really good to include the children you know you see so much negativity on social media about children climbing over dogs inappropriately, pulling their ears. If the children haven't been educated on how to behave and how to treat the dog, there's no surprise this sort of thing is happening. So I think as trainers, we have to embrace an element of helping educate the um, parents of the children on how to educate the children but also take a hand in actually educating children on how they should behave and get them working with the dogs as well if, if that's what the family wants because you know we can help prevent these problems occurring and these incidents and accidents and children bite cases happening if we're educating yeah and I think that's a really valid point Claire because you see a lot of the um, rescues now that won't rehome to homes that have got under fives and we're not talking about older rescue dogs. We're talking about puppies that haven't got issues yet. Um, so I think the onus needs to be put back on the parents to actually teach children how to behave around dogs and not um, vice versa. And like you, we've got a couple of kids that come to our group training. And I think they actually listen and pay far more attention than the adults do. Um, they take it all on board and do it exactly as you've said. And it was really nice. I saw a little girl who's only about seven walking down the road the other day doing perfect loosely tail work. I think what I found with kids as well is when we've taught kids actually um, and, and made the parents step back um, and the kids have actually completely taken a handle. Obviously, they need to be of a certain age where they can understand what you're asking of them and actually have a control of that dog, obviously, in a group class. But when I have taught kids, what I've found is, um, and again, this goes back to the cues, um, podcast as well is the fact that kids are very very literal so you give them right this is what you're going to do this is when you're going to praise and this is what the dog will look like they can process that and they don't actually think about oh well what happens if this happens or what happens if this happens all they do is go right I've asked the dog to sit I've put my hand up the dog sat down I give them a treat and they can literally just kind of almost compartmentalize the journey that it should be doing which actually makes them better at cueing, better at um, rewarding. And then the dog actually learns and, and gets a better behavior much, much quicker as well, because the kids are very quick because they kind of go, oh my God, they have, a, they have a party because the dog does what they've asked them to do straight away, which then to the dog goes, oh, I'll repeat that again because they had a party last time I did that. So I'll just repeat the behavior again. So you can actually get that muscle memory much, much quicker when you have a child teaching versus sometimes an adult. That's absolutely right. And um, very recently in one of our puppy classes, we actually had an adult, um, the parent was struggling to grasp the concept of how we were training a puppy to leave something on the floor. And the child got it straight away. The child got it and actually demoed it to the parent. This is what she means, mum. And the puppy then got it instantly. For the rest of that, um, that puppy course, we had the child doing the leave exercise the entire way through. And it was just incredible to see. And I think 
you know, it also really, I think it's really bonding for the child and the parent as well, because it's something that they're actually doing together. I think what I also find is that a lot of parents come to me going, we don't want the dog to think of them as below the hierarchy and things like that. That's one thing that I get a lot that, that parents think that if their children don't get involved, their dogs are just going to be completely rude to the children and jump all over them and, and harass them and, and not listen to them. So, which actually necessarily isn't the case. It's just as actually needing to educate the child in things that like what Sam was saying, appropriate tasks and exercises for the dog's age but also the child's age if you've got very very young kids you can do things like run like throwing a ball and things like that or you can like get them to scatter feed that's a great thing because hands are out the way you've not got puppies nipping at them and stuff like that throwing food on the floor and things like that and teaching them to a command and stuff is what I tend to do with much much younger children and then when the child can understand some of the boundaries that we're putting in place you then can put some more rules in right now you're going to make them sit and wait and you're going to put their food down and things like that you can also use it to your child's advantage as well in other ways when lockdown was here last year our daughter had not long started her first year at school and all of a sudden was at home having to homeschool and I still had to work going out training the dogs so the children came with me for a portion of the day um and I wrote letters on the dummies and I was working on the dog's steadiness, but also the daughter's reading and recognising letters at the same time. I would stand sort of between the dog and the daughter with a pile of dummies at her feet and say, right, find me the one with the on it and throw that. And then I could send the dog out for the retrieve and it would come back to me. And then I would say to the daughter, right now, find one with the letter A on it and throw that one as far as you can. So she was actively involved at the same time as me working on my dog's training. So it, it, it does become all-encompassing and can help both ways. That's an amazing way of, like like I said, combining families and talking about like when they're young. As teenagers become teenagers, they're interested sometimes in dogs and they not their behaviour, but do, they're more emotional around the house anyway. Should we take or bear in mind how the dog's going to, to deal with that because we've talked you know about how they read our body language how they can understand what's going on how we how they uh, use scent all those things and then we have uh, teenagers going through a really difficult part of their life got normally sometimes no interest in the dog or the dog becomes their best friend is this stuff we can do um when our dogs are around teenagers to help all that be a little bit easier for the dog to understand i think when we get to teenagers obviously they they, um, you have like different hormones and things to play, that play a part in it as well. Um, and that I would say it depends on the teenager that you're dealing with. I wouldn't ever force a teenager to get involved if they really didn't want to, because the dog will pick up that this person doesn't want to be handling me and either kind of maybe not listen to them as well or completely ignore them altogether or decide that actually that person resents them and vice versa. So I think I'd never force a teenager to do it. If they wanted nothing to do with the dog, then I wouldn't force it. And if they wanted loads to do with the dog, they're of an age and an understanding where they can actually progress and be a, quite a good handler because they've still kind of got that childlike behaviour that I was saying where they're very literal and can compartmentalise um, exercises. But they can also, they've got the understanding of kind of what it should look like and where it should be going as a working dog. So they're much more likely to be able to cope for a full day on a shoot day so they can come and get involved in that 
and they can start to actually work that dog up towards something. I know loads of places that will do like nov- uh, children's working tests and stuff like that, where it's obviously very, very strict handling um, all the way through to um, like actually working them on shoot days as well. So I just wouldn't ever force it. I think, I think that's a really good point. And, and dogs are very sensitive and pick up on emotions of children and of adults as well. But then I think you also have to think, look at, look at what some of the incredible work that dogs are doing with young offenders and things like that at the moment. You know, that just popped into my head when then was thinking then. And you've really got to, you know, appreciate how incredible dogs are really because of what they do and, and the way they can help people. I think that's what you're saying clear with the young offenders they can build up this connection with a yeah. dog and then that dog's not condemning them or judging them or or trying to control them or give them authority the dog's just the dog who wants to be with them regardless of what they're wearing what they're doing etc so i think um yeah i think teenagers and dogs are actually quite a good thing if you can get them to connect definitely Mind you, my dog that won't leave my side, won't look at anyone else, won't do anything for anyone else. Last year on a shoot, picked up a bird. It was William's first day out with me. And Zip went out, picked up the bird, absolutely fine. Took it back to William. I could have shot them both. (laughs) We were two dogs. Mel went to Charlotte. When Charlotte started picking up, Mel became, even though she'd been dad's dog like all her life, she became charlotte's dog and then charlotte wherever charlotte went mel decided she was going with her my dad might as well not have been there and grace even when dad was alive grace would work for for um meg so meg at the time must have been about six or seven she started working out and because grace knew her job she built meg's confidence because meg would be like get out to like pointing in a million directions but grace was like <laughs> Okay, I know what that means. Do you know what I mean? And it was so much fun. Yeah. It's, I think it's definitely a sport that when when you handle all the, handle all the pieces, it's something the whole family can do. And there's not many things or activities that a whole family can do at different ages and all enjoy. Um, I'll often ask if I get someone come with their dog or they bring their partner or they mention children and I'll say to them, okay, so what, what is the deal? Is it going to be, you know, the children take the dog beating while daddy's stood on peg or what, what how is this going to work? Because then we, we can work out your plan and we can almost have different training exercises and different games. You know, the children do that with the dog and the dad does that with the dog and the wife does that with the dog. And then they're each working towards their own goal for the multitasking dog. Mm. And that must be really good because then they all feel like they've got involvement in the dog and not, you know, like our dogs, probably my thing is they're mum's dogs. They can ask us a little yeah. bit different for those. Yeah. When they live in yeah. the house, we wouldn't be able to have that. Everybody would need to be, like, involved. On the same page. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, the dogs sometimes choose as well. Our um, our old German Shepherd Cross Rottweiler, she would stick with the children and, yeah. and she would choose to stay with the children and she would be their protector. And, you know, she gave them confidence to be by themselves, to grow and that they could manage their own situation. And no one ever asked her to stay with them. She just, you know, of the whole situation, she went, well, I can go with mum and everyone else up there. Or I can stay with these two small people and back them up if I need to. And she always chose the children. To finish this, though, that's how dogs became, what's the word? Domesticated. Domesticated, isn't it? Dogs became domesticated through children because the children used to play with the pups that had been born near near, near villages and those pups and those kids made friends like 
friendships and the pup stayed with the kids. So children domesticated dogs, not adults, from their relationship with them. Which is fascinating, I think. <laughs> Honestly, I read that as part of um, a course on dogs' behaviour. That's all for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Bye for now.